Broadcasting live from Predator in the Fire Swamp, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother. And I'm one of your other hosts, Seamus Connolly. One of your other one, one hosts. Hey man, we gotta we got keep it as confusing as possible up top for the people, okay? That's fair. When the Predator comes on and just clicks as a co-host. Oh, the dream guest, Predator and Dutch in the same room. We, we, we have them work it out finally. They Predator handshake. See, that's true friendship right there. We're gonna talk about Prey, our main segment, and a disparate amount of other Predator <laughs> movies. But honestly, it is kind of amazing to me that we have not gotten a Predator reboot with Arnold Terminator style yet. Like, it's really kind of shocking that we've never come back to Dutch. For the lack of Arnold that there is, you know I'd love him back, but they've been fairly solid. I think they're probably better for not going that direction. Because every franchise that has gone in that direction has been misses, mostly. Terminator, Terminator came back around, kinda. I like Genesis, Dark Fate. Or not I like, Genesis, Jesus. I like Dark Fate. We usually do news on this show, I think, right around now. Eh, well, well, we got a bunch of Disney stuff, I guess, we could, we could talk we about. We do have exclusively Disney stuff this week, because <laughs> yeah, D23 oh yeah, we is going on as we record, so the longer we speak the more content is coming out that we're not talking about on the show, so there will be more D23 catch-up next week. Right now, we're we're going to hit some of the big stuff that, not necessarily that we care about, but I think, I mean, some of it we do. Some, <laughs> some of it we, we care about, do. yeah. Um, up top, certainly we care about this, and we'll be covering it for the show. Disenchanted, the long-awaited, long-hyped-up, highly anticipated movie of the year (laughs) sequel to enchanted is dropping november 24th on disney plus this is a movie that we weirdly kind of just have always loved no matter what you've had a little more personal history with it than i have i saw it like once when i was probably 10 or 11 years old and have always just remembered it as being just a really entertaining incredible movie and you're like ready to pop off about disenchanted right now i am so excited hopefully if my sister is still in the country because she is going back to work in europe if she's still in the country, I bet you we can have her on the show and we can talk about oh, it because that hell would be yeah. really fun. I'm super duper ready to rewatch the original one with you. I'm ready to have a magical princess experience with this new one. I'm very excited. November is so close, man. This is this is coming right up. It really is. It really is. There was also a trailer released during D23 that you and I are both full media blackout on Disenchanted, <laughs> yes. so... Exactly. We We're not, no spoilers. Talking about it, but the, the trailer has two buses that are fighting each other, and then dude has to come in and he has to like calm them both down instead of slaying it. It's a real Chris Pratt training the Raptors <laughs> yeah, situation. Yes. He's holding up his hands like that the whole trailer. Here's something that I don't know if I can be excited about because there's one part of this that I really love. There's another part of this that I would like to love. And then there's another part of this that I do not think will be good. So it is David Lowry, director of The Green Knight, A Ghost Story, and the Pete's Dragon live-action remake for Disney. He's directing Peter Pan and Wendy, which will be live-action and coming to Disney Plus in 2023. I want you to break down your three things here, because I'm not sure which one you're, you're hard against right now. David Lowry, I adore him. I think he's amazing. 
Peter Pan is a property I love, but also I think live-action remakes of Peter Pan tend to not be mm. great. Or adaptations. I should, this is a remake, but in general, live-action adaptations of Peter Pan. And then the fact that this is, one, it's just a Disney live-action remake in general. I'm very wary of that, but especially considering the fact that it's coming straight to Disney+. Plus. Which, after the Pinocchio that just dropped this weekend <laughs> on Disney+. Plus, That was news to me that you told me earlier today, more or less. Um, you know, it's a Robert Zemeckis, too. The what? new Pinocchio. What? This is weird, man. Our, our Disney live-action remake marathon is slowly stacking in the worst direction possible. Yeah, it looks, it looks pretty rough. Are you interested in a live-action uh, Peter Pan? Man, I don't know. The original cartoon is, is lovely. I, I, I love that one. I loved it as a kid, and... I just, I really don't have any care for this. I don't know. I, I All of these live-action Disney remakes, save for, like, maybe The Little Mermaid, or if they ever do, like, a Treasure Planet live-action remake, you know I'm there for that Ooh. kind of stuff. But, but like, why, But why remake Treasure Planet? Why, why remake why, any of these, Why Garrett? mess Come with on. perfection? I mean, I love Hook. I know me and you differ on that, but I'd rather watch Hook. I'd even, honestly, ra- rather try Pan, just because I'm curious, and I know it's going to be bad but this just seems like it'll be like a boring thing that'll probably pass right over me without me giving it a second thought like pinocchio unless we sit down and watch pinocchio and peter pan together you will basically be the catalyst to if i watch this movie at all i heard the peach dragon remake was actually pretty good you know green knight i've heard was really really cool too and and that's a swashbuckling high fantasy adventure when you get too far into the ideas that Peter Pan brings forward, I never read, like, the book or whatever. I'm sure it gets weird and twisted and darker on, oh. in that, but I feel like it's destined to either be bad or boring. And Is is this replacing the Peter and the Starcatcher movie that's supposed to be coming out? I, I forgot all about that. I do not even know. I, I mean, maybe. Maybe they're just trying to f- float it under the radar, just dropping it on Disney Plus in a way that'll, like, yeah... People like people are subscribed to Disney Plus. People will watch it just because it's on there, more or less, and they're they're not banking too hard on it. I had a VHS of like the '90s ABC stage production of like the live. Wait, Peter the one Pan. with Kathy Rigby? Yeah, bro. Yo, it was oh, the best was Peter obsessed. Pan of my life, man. I'd watch that like once a week as a kid. I had it in like a blank white. VHS clamshell. I don't know why I had it or for who got it or whatever, but it was all, it was good. That's that's a good version. Shames, once again we unlock parts of our childhood <laughs> yes. exactly the same. I loved the it's Kathy so good, Peter Pan. I we loved sh- it. That's one we need to actually watch together, just for ourselves, not even for the show, because that will just we'll weep remembering our childhoods together. Okay, we got. <laughs> I'm move sorry, on. I just I'm rocked th- you like I that, will... but we got more Disney crap to go through. Emphasis on the crap because coming. 2024, Mufasa, <laughs> colon, The Lion King. Ah, boy. Live action. Well, live action. Live action. Quote, it's unquote. animated, but, you know, it's the it's the same style as the whatever year, 2017 Lion King. If they're not going to live action, quote unquote, animate, whatever you want to call it. If they're not going to do that with Lion King one and a half, then I do not care. None of that has me excited for something like this. There are very few movies I like less than that Lion King remake. <laughs> it's so lifeless. It's, it's so soulless. lifeless. And the cast is great. I think, like, if... That's why I almost <sighs> had hope for it when it was coming out, but then it just... It was... Oh, boy. The only other way I could maybe get excited about a caliber of Lion King remake like this 
in my head, I always imagined it. It's just like a straight, one of those straight Disney nature documentaries, but it's the plot of the Lion King going on with animals oh, wow. that do not speak like or that's sing. Actually, interesting, Seamus. Yeah, that's right. Like, like a, a movie that would be interesting to watch if you did it right. Speaking, this is I've I've passed my segue, but I'm gonna do it anyway. <laughs> Speaking of good casts, Inside Out Two has been announced coming in 2024, directed by Kelsey Mann. Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling will not reprise their roles from the first Inside Out, as discussed and fear respectively. But it will focus apparently on new emotions inside Riley as she grows up. I can imagine turning red style, like puberty analog story. Cause isn't that, that's how the first one ended up, right? Is she like met a boy and started freaking out or whatever? Yeah, there's that bit at the end of the movie. It's, yeah. She's in like the hockey rink and a boy picks up her water bottle or something. And, and, then, and then there's the short on the Blu-ray that is about their first date. And what I did I never saw that. It's really cute. I I like it. I'm a big Inside Out fan. I no, am. Inside Out is great. I I also thought that was some of the most fun Disney animation stuff hey, in Pixar a long man. time. Those... Oh, excuse me, excuse me. That lamp is gonna come after me and stomp me to death. I remember when. No, never mind. No, it's too much. <laughs> Were you it's scared of the lamp? Were you scared of the lamp as a kid, Garrett? Did you think he was coming after you? Listen, I refer to myself as I, right? What oh, is the no. Pixar lamp stop? Oh, on? no. When does the Pixar lamp become public domain, like how they're making a Winnie the Pooh horror movie now? Oh, God. But yes, I, I'm circling back, finally. I really like Inside Out 1. I am very excited for this new one. I think it's a really funny idea and concept. Amy Poehler is lovely when she's super bubbly like that. I, I always love her when she does a role. Uh, a Leslie Nope-style, super happy person. I'm I'm all for it. A lot more different inside character perspectives of their emotions, I assume, are coming down the pike, and I, I like that a lot. It was funny to see the dad and the mom and all that. I'm sure they're going to do lots more of that, and I, I'm i sure we'll go see that at some point in the theaters. But now we're getting on to a little bit of Star Wars news as we get to the tail end of stuff around here, and we finally have casting for Ezra Bridger in the new Ahsoka show with Iman Esfandi coming in for the role, uh, a person I am not super familiar with, but after looking at his picture, thinks he is insanely uncanny, similar it's to Ezra wild. Bridger. It, yeah. the, the eyebrows, the nose, it's like the weird animation style of Rebels is like translated onto this man's face almost. He doesn't look weird at all about it. I think he's going to fit, he's going to slide right into that role. I guess I don't know what his voice sounds like, but it, he looks perfect. Good casting. It'll be interesting to see. I still am kind of yeah, I, unsure I know. about all this. I still haven't finished Rebels, and I disappoint you every day that I don't, and I'm sorry, but it'll be interesting. I, I know a lot about how it, it wraps up, and this Ahsoka show, I, I feel like I'm still fairly behind it, and I'm cautiously optimistic, I should say. The the tone of how he's going to throw those lines out there is going to really affect how he plays as Ezra Bridger, but... Last bit of news... Probably the thing other than Disenchanted I'm the most excited for here. Yeah, maybe me too. A untitled, but we got a trailer, right? It wasn't a gameplay trailer or anything crazy like that. Because oh, I didn't even know we got a trailer. I just heard the announcement. But there is a new World War II game 
where you will be able to play as Captain America and the Black Panther from the 40s. And apparently it looks like there's also going to be Bucky and uh, Adora Milaje, playable character as well, is what it's looking like. Because Captain Paris and Black Panther, it looks like it's in Wakanda, but it's it, it says two nations same war or something like that at the oh, end of the trailer i assumed black panther was gonna be in like the northern africa regions maybe i'm, I'm to, assuming so to fight the nazis yeah. and i mean black panther in world war ii is such a crazy good idea right that i was i because i heard the captain america world war ii part of it first when it was like leaked or whatever a couple hours before yep. the official announcement i was like oh that's awesome I'm all about that, running through scorched battlefields and forests and stuff, doing Captain America stuff. And then the Black Panther part of it came out when the official announcement happened, and I was really interested in the idea of how they were going to go about that. Just completely original kind of Black Panther. It's going to be third-person action game. Cap's probably going to have some gun work to go with there, but like the hit-and-run style mostly physical melee stuff with Black Panther or almost exclusively physical melee stuff with Black Panther, I think is going to be so, so interesting. But Oh, Amy Hennig is doing it. I did not realize that. Director of the first three Uncharted games. Oh, hey. So that is Oh, wow. Huge. That's, I'm more excited for this than ever. My God. I'm just thinking about a lot more now about like when Black Panther inevitably crosses paths with Captain America. There's going to be a lot of really dark political stuff. I guess specifically it's a very dark political war, but like yeah. even in the like Captain America hopefully has his multiracial band of brothers out there, his howling commandos of every corner of the earth, but then he's well, Black Panther's going to be like there's like segregated battalions out oh, here, Cap. What are you doing yeah. about it? Buddy, well, this is not cool. Two, two things real quick. One, I'm looking at this article here, and it's not Bucky Barnes. It's Gabriel Jones, who is a what? member of the Howling Commandos and appears to be African-American, but also, like, based on, you know, real history, a lot of African-American troops who went over to Europe during World War II were treated way better there than they were back home. Yeah, and I feel like my God. With... The fantasy world of of Wakanda that is even more amplified. That, yeah, that seriously. This, this paradise that has been free of the influence of colonialism that could be a really powerful story if they're willing to take it to that place. Maybe this guy will go back with uh, Black Panther by the end of stuff if they're gonna really cross over their more specific storylines. You know, Cap with his boys and Black Panther kind of on the more defensive side with assuming Nazis or Red Skull, whoever is trying to get their goods from Wakanda to make weapons of mass destruction. It'll be very interesting. But I think it's time. Grab your hatchet, Seamus. I think think we're going to talk about Prey. Let's do it, buddy. I'm ready. For this week's main segment, we are tackling the new Hulu original Dan Trachtenberg-directed Prey, the newest film in the Predator franchise. Seamus, you're the Predator boy among us here, so I want you to have first crack talking about this movie, <laughs> it, what you thought of it, its place in the franchise, etc. I really enjoyed this movie. It is very specifically 
a smaller scale than any other Predator movie before it. It's very personal, and God help me, there's a lot of family moments in this one. It's very grounded feeling for an insane sci-fi action movie. All of these other Predator movies, it's a squad of elite, highly trained, fully equipped and armed with every gun and piece of equipment that they could need to face a threat like this, usually in the start of the movie before they lose all of their gear and realize that it's harder to defeat a Predator. But this, (laughs) the tension of like, it's insanely primitive weapons and we're watching the evolution of how this kind of hunt takes place, this hunt that we, you know, get little bits and pieces of throughout the, the franchise, but I thought it was really good. I thought it was shot very well. I'm I'm a Dan Tracton boy. I, I like that guy a lot. <laughs> I always, maybe that's to the detriment of my own viewing, but I, I give a little more leeway to the rubberiness of some of the CGI that, that is in a lot of Dan Trachtenberg stuff. And I think that a lot of the CGI in this movie was in fact quite noticeable, obviously compared to how beautifully they were shooting their natural landscapes on set there. But overall, I very much enjoyed it. I think the connections that they make the big choices on to slot it in with those more tangible strands to the other entries in the franchise, I I really enjoyed how they did that. And as it stands on its own as technically the first canonical Predator story on Earth is very solid. And I'm glad I got to see it. I wish I got to see it in theaters, but I guess it was only, only on Hulu for some reason. Actually, Seamus, the reason that it went straight to Hulu is because it was a Fox property pre-merger with Disney. What? And if it went to theaters, Disney would have to let it contractually go to HBO first, exclusively. Whatever, I guess, fine. It's so stupid. Isn't it awful? This is a movie that would have been spectacular on the big screen. Again, those sweeping landscapes that they're they're trekking through in this movie, it, it would have been great. Again, I, I very much enjoyed watching it, but man, that, that sucks to know that the only thing standing in the way of getting a theatrical release like that and having that experience is just more bureaucratic, like, red tape to maneuver around so that they could keep their, keep all of the money, all of the money that they can, no matter what. I hope someday it does get some kind of, like, whether the music box runs it or... Ah, marathon of Predator retrospective. Yeah, I don't know what it would be. I think it's very possible this this is the biggest Hulu premiere of all time, as you told me right before we started recording. I'm not just going to take that stat out from under you and just be like, I know this. I think it's very possible that we're going to get a follow-up to this movie, like a direct, not just another Predator movie, but a direct follow-up probably to this. Um, And we'll talk more about those ideas in spoilers, of course. I liked this movie a lot. I think it is, you're going to kill me, my favorite Predator movie. All right, okay. Those are big big words, pal. (laughs) It's maybe one of the, I haven't seen The Predator, which was the one previous to this, but it's definitely one of the more well-done movies. I mean, the originals are so insane because I I assume you know the concept for how The Predator came to be as, as as a franchise. The producers were just milling around the idea that Rocky had fought everyone on Earth that he could fight, that he was strong enough to fight, but so that he would have to fight an alien. And then they were writing 
And then they were like, this is stupid, and Stallone was not going to be a part of it, and they re-adapted it into what the original Predator became by just having all of the meat slabs of Hollywood fight a Predator in the jungle. So it's always been just the most insane thing to work around, but this movie, Prey, was like an actual film with you know, (laughs) development of the characters and, like, the relationships between the characters meant way more than just, like, my friend died by the hands of the Predator. I need to go berserk and try to find him. I I can understand why you would say that. I can understand why you're wrong about saying that, but I still agree that it is very, very well done. I think the first Predator is brilliant. McTiernan is a genius. I think it's incredibly well made and directed. It has a great gear shift at its midpoint. But I'm not invested. I don't care about Dutch. I don't care about Carl Weathers, despite how many pencils he pushes for the CIA. (laughs) How many many ties he's forced to wear. I mean, those characters are insanely one-sided. They just go, all right, elite Delta squad, go at them. Predator 2, I'm a little bit more invested in those characters. Not really, but like... I, I always find myself in those first two movies, I care about the characters because I care about the actors. And I know that's not how you're supposed that's, to watch a that's, movie. That's the problem with those first two Predator yeah, movies. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. That it's, it's the characters that are, for a movie we're covering today called Prey, and it's it's so much more human in, in what the main characters are actually doing. I was actually going to bring that up. That yeah. I think that it's not just a cute naming device. It genuinely reflects the change in attitude and focus of the film absolutely from the rest of the franchise yeah predator is pretty straightforward and entitling it, it really is it's about the carnage and the hunt that the predator does on earth with the main characters it's very i mean even in the third you just watched the third predator movie those characters are like picking fun warrior archetypes basically at that point uh, from all over the world and but there's a two, lot of fun there's lot two of things fun. i'll say about predators though One is that I think this naming convention is actually very similar to the Predators naming convention because Predators simultaneously is about the Predators themselves, the aliens, but also that this team is the Predators from planet Earth, right? It's it's all of the worst people that the Predators could go suck up and, and bring to their hunting ground. Also... I actually get probably more invested in those characters from Predators because they have way more interaction. They're all new to each other. It's a lot about the conflict and learning from each other. And I'm not saying it's particularly well written. I'm not saying I love those characters or anything like that, but it does feel a little bit more developed. It feels like I know those characters better. Exactly. The first two movies, it's... A, a squad of soldiers who are basically all the same person, hey. except for, like, they make one guy Bill Native Paxton. American. I'm talking about the first one. And the second okay. one, everyone is just an LAPD officer, except for, you know, Bill Paxton and, and Danny Glover, who are just, like, absolute joys to watch. Yeah, Predators, plural. Lots of fun with that mix. And, and, and we should really watch The Predator. I guess we are literally all caught up, except for that stupid one. Why don't we just watch Prey again? Honestly. Yeah, maybe. I I am definitely going to rewatch this movie. It was really badass. The action was top-notch for a Predator movie. The human side of everything was more compelling than probably any other Predator movie. It's it's solid, man. I'm I'm there for it. 
some of the best dog acting in years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Love that dog. I want to get into it. I feel like th- this movie is fairly straightforward, so I feel like we should get into the spoilers of, of what is going down here. If you are a fan of action movies in general, I think watch this movie. Will it be enriched if you've seen other Predator movies? Absolutely. But you do not have to. Have no, this could be ones. your entry point, and uh, that would honestly be a kind of a solid entry point, because not only is it like a very good, well-made movie, but it does a lot of interesting, good work to set up what the Predator lore and their like weird culture then becomes later in the franchise, or I guess earlier in the franchise. But later chronologically, because as we didn't Late, mention yeah, yeah. in this movie, it's set in like the 1700s. Se- yeah, 1716 or 1719, something like that. That's a really cool place to set this movie. And we'll talk about why, I think, a little bit more in, in spoilers. So I think let's get into it. Yes, official spoilers threshold. I loved the design of this Predator. It's I want to so drop that cool. right out there. One of my favorite parts of the Predator franchise is that each individual movie it's not just like a horde of xenomorphs from alien or whatever it's like they are their own individuality forward kind of alien they like to accessorize and they like to stand out with their masks and this bone mask that this one has is is awesome looking it's very frightening that's another thing that i was thinking about during this movie was that a thing i never really realized is that the predator in other films always feels so he doesn't feel alien enough to me a lot of the time because he mm. has technology that I understand for the most part. You know, he's got laser-guided plasma cannons and <laughs> yes, and yes. retractable blades and a big nuke on his wrist. He feels like a guy in a suit a lot of the time to me. And I think that that kind of takes away from the scariness of Predator. I want the Predator to be scarier. And this movie kind of shifts gears a little bit by not trying to take away any of those elements. It still is a big dude. Technology that is similar to what we have on Earth. But the way it frames its action sequences and, again, the fact that I'm more invested in the characters and the way that the characters come up against the Predator overall makes it a scarier experience and then compound that with the fact that the actual design of the predator i feel like is the most monstrous Mm, predator mm. we've ever had with those crazy like bony fingers and he's got really rough skin rougher i feel like than most the other predators have ever had in his face i think it's totally yeah when, when they pop that super specific laser targeted helmet off his face for the first time i feel like his bottom extendo jaw teeth are a lot like bigger and weirder looking than the past like his jaw is like elongated because of it and it makes it so much creepier looking all in all it looked great the fights with him you know the camouflage classically always looked a little weird but interesting for its time but this the camouflage with this one and they reveal his bigger form by him like holding a bear over his head and the blood dripping down his invisibility camouflage he looks insane it looks so good again the staging I think is what makes it scarier. The idea of blood dripping all over a predator to reveal the silhouette. That's such a cool idea, especially setting it in this older time period where part of the reason that the technology is scarier now is because they've never seen anything like it. 
they're flintlocks in this movie. Like, that's what they're dealing yeah. with, you know? They don't have laser-guided missiles. They don't live in a world with bazookas and miniguns and all of this stuff. The concept of invisibility, technological invisibility, is probably so alien, if you'll forgive the term. <laughs> I also really thought it was cool the way they were, like, weaving in their own tribal lore to be like, well... This is something that is literally impossible, so it must be a Thunderbird, or uh, I, I don't remember what the second one they said was, where they're just like, oh yeah, the invisible monster from the children's stories, get real, we're hunting a mountain lion out here. They're coping with how they're trying to rationalize what they're seeing with their own eyes, I thought was very cool. Talking about the tribe for a little bit, and also... I wish we'd brought this up in non-spoilers, honestly. Amber Midthunder, who plays the lead in this film, is a revelation. She's yeah, amazing. she's really good, yeah. This is like Ripley. Dude, the entire time, I was getting the exact same energy as Ripley, for sure. Out on your own, a little bit of a an underdog in everything, even the, the people around you. you know, the Ripley only one who like understands a... what's going on. Yes. The only one who's smart enough to tie an axe to a rope, damn it. Oh, it's so cool. It's so cool. Love that, yeah. But also, I just loved seeing a movie that clearly had a budget behind it that is just a period film about indigenous life in the Americas. You see that so infrequently i mean you have films like apocalypto obviously i want to see more movies that's just indigenous people living their lives and having internal conflict and their own culture being explored we talk a lot that's going to be our pop culture reference about the comanche dub of this movie and mm. how we both kind of wished almost that the Comanche was the primary language in this film instead of English although we do understand why they did that or at least I do I don't want to speak for you Seamus no I mean I I do I do personally in retrospect knowing the, about the dub I think I would have preferred to watch it in the in the native Comanche but I get why English was was used again this is why this predator movie works the best for me is because this is a movie I would just watch regardless of whether the Predator was in it. I enjoyed the story and the characters yeah. that much. And then that's why it's even scarier when the Predator shows up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for sure. I Honestly, I was expecting the whole time for the European angle to come in a lot earlier than it actually did. I thought, I mean, I guess in the, in the end, it does kind of work out of like how Europeans treat native people in the Americas and then what that interaction, her being captured later on and what ensues the things she gets from it the tools and like how the predator then goes and deals with the french guys that are out there fur trapping it's very well done i thought the europeans were going to come in a lot earlier considering that they tease them with the field of skinned buffalo yeah, and the cigar like fairly gnarly. early on not the gore that i thought i was getting in for in this movie i mean there's plenty of spine ripping out but like that was really dark and real i thought it was interesting how the predator kind of acts as simultaneously both sides of the colonialism metaphor depending mm. on what part of the movie you're in because the idea of a predatory force with quote-unquote superior technology showing up on indigenous land and picking off the people there is mm. i mean that's a pretty obvious 
metaphor, but at the same time, you have these Frenchmen who are underestimating this predator, that they think that they can handle whatever nature has mm. to offer, right, in this new world, this, I don't want to say foreign, I don't want to say alien. Right, but this... to those French people in that era, that's really what it was. Yeah, and they think they can tame it or trap it or kill it because they're they're the best manifest destiny, baby, you know? And I, that circles right back around to the motivations of the Predator in this movie in ways that definitely foil with our main character, Nara, I want to say. The idea of, like, the the proving hunt, your first major hunt, it's clear that this Predator that comes to this fresh world in their eyes, he's working his way up, you know, snake to wolf to bear to human beings in a way that he's, like, taking those stepping stones in stride, saying, all right, I'm proving myself once step at a time to get to the apex predator of this earth well we have our main character who is consistently failing on her way to her big hunt proving to the tribe that she can hold her own she's not just a medicine worker or a or a woman of the tribe who's meant to you know be tanning leathers like her mother who doesn't think she can do things but coming down to the ultimate showdown those failures versus predator easily waltzing through a fist fight with a bear in the river which is one of my favorite parts of this movie that culmination of their proving themselves through their hunt and all that weird predator culture stuff that they keep in the background of like how they have to do that and how they're like bound by their strange hunt culture and and paralleling that with how the native tribes hunting culture is like everything to our main character it's it's a really well done way to keep those characters separate for a lot of the movie but still have the exact same theming of how they're trying to to inevitably meet each other in the end i could have said that better myself at first when the predator showed up so early i was like i'd almost rather just wait until our main character mm. sees the oh, predator yeah. but then as we saw the Predator going on its own journey, I was like, oh, this is actually way more interesting to me. I feel like I understand the Predator's motivations more. I feel like I understand its thought process more. Because, mm. you know, they sprinkle in that stuff here and there in the old ones, you know, like not attacking people who are defenseless or pregnant or like sick. They like scan people. If they have cancer, they're not going to fight them or whatever. You know what it is? This is going to be my weird analogy. <laughs> what do you got? I feel like this movie is the original Halloween. You see Michael oh. Myers figuring things out as he goes along. Yes, and I totally get you. He, it's not a given that he's going to find the mask or find the coveralls. He's doing what he has to do because he needs stuff. It's out of necessity. It's mm -hmm. out, You see his thought process, even though he doesn't speak a single word. The older Predator movies, and this is, you're going to really hate this analogy because <laughs> it, it's mean to them and it's unfair to them. And I, I'm going to acknowledge that. But it's like Halloween Kills, where Ugh. Michael Myers is just wherever he needs to be to be scary and kill the person that he's supposed to kill in that scene. There's not the thought behind it. I don't see why that character is doing what it's doing as much in those old Predator movies. Like, no, why is the Predator on it. the subway in Predator 2? <laughs> like, why is he there? There's no logic to it. 
Predator 2 really took the lore or whatever I'm sure they were tweaking with with the original one. But like I said, it's literally put the strongest man in Hollywood next to an extraterrestrial and have them fight. That was the concept. I guess they don't kill the lady who's tied up in the original one. And they're like, oh, the Predator doesn't kill everything in its path or whatever. Yeah, there's still there's some logic to that character. Again, I'm not trying to completely dismiss. Of course, of course. I I don't think you're throwing Predator 1 in the trash altogether. But I totally know what you're saying. It's the stepping stones. It helps that it's not the predator in every movie it's the same alien coming down to hunt it's showing the background culture and the steps that each one of those predators that we've seen who's in like their prime they had to go through the exact same thing more or less when they were in their own novice stage of their hunting culture it's something that i find weird about predator one and two is that despite the fact that the predator clearly dies at the beginning of the first predator in predator two the Predator seems to have some knowledge of the first Predator. Almost like <laughs> Does he? He finishes the um, Your One Ugly Mother line that Dutch oh, says in the original. Right. And there's a couple of other things like that that are clearly just built to be callbacks to the original, but still that they open up some weird kind of can of worms about like, do they live stream? <laughs> Is it like... They're, they're little Pip-Boy wristwatch things. That, yeah, they're sending the data out as they go, maybe. I don't know. But in this or, one... I- I really thought the callbacks felt organic and honestly kind of like they did in the... Did you see the Apes reboot trilogy? Um, the Planet of the Apes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy Serkis ones? Yeah, in a similar way. They're prequels, but they still have callbacks to the originals, which are set afterward. But they do it in such yeah. an organic way that it feels fine. Dude, when her Corey Feldman brother said, if it bleeds, we can kill it, I was hyped up. God, I was it, so into it. It's so cool because it makes sense because they're hunters. It's completely yeah. That's in. in that's all in their vocabulary of their yeah. attitude. Where she's following her older brother. He is the hunting teacher. He is the one out there with her. We also get to do it now. Yes. Oh, end, I which, was very. I was very happy with that. Ah. I think we talked about the third act now. Unless you have something else. No. That you wanna... I. I want to once again highlight the bear fight. The bear fist fight was top notch very better than the revenant i was very very happy with that but anyway let's third act it up man let's jump to it well you watched it more recently than i did so you're gonna remember a lot more of the specifics but to me the best part of the original predator is the third act when it's just dutch oh yeah on predator covered in mud taking everything he's learned about the predator from the rest Mm. of the movie and applying it i think this movie does the same thing, except it's not just, quote, the same thing. She's not covering herself in mud. She's not doing all of the same things that Dutch does because that's how you defeat a predator. It's showing that character's own ingenuity, much like the axe on a rope, which yeah, is yeah. the coolest thing in the world, and <laughs> I, I want to watch a million it. hours of it. Yeah, I wish she used it more, if I'm being honest. Honestly. But she is so resourceful and so smart at using the mask at using the quicksand mud thing oh i loved the mask stuff setting up the mask getting the mask by pulling the flintlock on him and blowing it off of the front of his face and then using it to trap him is incredible i loved it so invested in that character that their ingenuity makes me even more excited that's the crux to me of a good horror thriller like this like finally getting it and then Mm -hmm. making the best effort to to finally like lay it all down on the line and it was great the traps the way she's luring him into the mud and fantastic even their fight beforehand she does great slide like running slides a lot of the time in this movie where she's like getting through his huge legs and getting around him in a way where she can get the little hits on him it was really good 
one last thing at the very end that I noticed. I mean, they do a little bit of the thunder and lightning when she finally gets back from her hunt. Oh, you know, she tosses her predator so head rad. and gets crowned the war chief after her With brother her green gets... war paint. Yeah, it <sighs> looks awesome. Her walking back into the village like that is, is super badass and very powerful, obviously, mirroring her brother coming back with the mountain lion head and getting the, the war chief position. But they don't really show it in the actual movie, I don't think, besides Thunder and Lightning. But at the credits, the animated intro to the credits where we see more of, like, indigenous representations of the story through pictographs and stuff. Which were done by actual indigenous artists in real life. Oh, wow, that's awesome. I didn't know that, actually. I mean, they looked great, and I thought it was a perfect little wrap-up there. That's exactly, I feel like, what would happen. It would be logged like that. A a woman in the tribe defeated, like, a ghost, more or less, in their eyes, like a beast of legend. And we get a little stinger that... A whole bunch of predator ships are coming in hot to their village to confront them about what happened. And I was wondering, because of obviously the flintlock pistol connection to Predator 2. Yes, we haven't even talked about that yet. Yeah, she she gets that pistol from a Frenchman. And they don't really do a good zoom in on it, though, until the very end. I will say they kind of, I mean, it was obviously what it was going to be the whole time, but... They give us that that money shot of the little placard on the side of the pistol right before we we get told that the pistol probably got back into Predator hands because of a massacre that (laughs) ensued afterward. I feel like they're coming in. The Predators are coming in and they're pretty angry about what happened, I would imagine. Again, if you want to get into the colonial metaphor of it all, there is a lot to be unpacked with the idea of a sequel because they set it up so well. And this is doing so well. Yeah, I would imagine that they're gonna they're gonna see that lightning has in fact struck here, and they're pull the trigger on another one, and that would be a lot more interesting. Maybe have the European angle a little more involved in this newer one. Maybe it is another almost direct analog of, well, the Europeans are gonna find their camp slaughtered, and they're gonna assume. That the tribe nearby was the ones who did it. Kind of similarly, the predators are coming in. Oh, you killed our young warrior, so we're going to put you to the real test now or, like, come after you in some... I guess they don't really do vengeance, those predators. They're kind of... They respect the hunt and all that, but... but... It implies that humans are are more powerful game than maybe they anticipated. Yeah. So yeah, I I would love a little another bigger showdown. Maybe maybe three full factions of warriors fighting at the same time. Predators trying to figure out maybe the differences between something like a European fur trapping colonizer versus like an indigenous tribe of of humans living on their own land and their understanding of human culture through that versus and like maybe influencing the movies that take place later or the idea of taking the technologies or the ideas of the technologies between these two groups of humans and integrating that, upgrading their own weapons and armor. You know, we see it's a little more rudimentary this time around than laser cannons and the plasma, this and that. I loved its spears that it uses its sight for. That was so cool. Totally. How he can, like, disassemble it and use it as, like, individual smaller-sized weapons. So good. I'm going to play some Predator hunting grounds later today, man. I'll tell you that much. You, I know, want to touch on different ideas for historical-based Predator movies. Oh, yes. If if we are so graced with more of these different 
eras of human history that for the predator to battle you dropped like roman culture before i think is interesting like a coliseum style predator where he's like maybe into the idea of like organized fights with the best (laughs) warrior i don't know if that i mean i don't know but i've been thinking non-stop since i watched predator 2 the other day do you think Richard B. Riddick could handle a predator? They both have interesting vision, and that's why I think he might have a leg up versus that's, a regular human. That's but, an interesting question. I'm assuming it would be set on an alien planet. Presumably, yeah. Maybe he's wandering around again looking for his home world and he, he stumbles across I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one predator, but like a prime hunting predator like it's one, not it's not like a big group of predators like one of the big ones yeah exactly one of the one of the chief guys i i, I think I, I think it might be a hard fight for him if i'm being honest but he's I, pretty they, resourceful they have very similar tactics which is why this is so interesting to me you think about riddick the third riddick movie where riddick is out picking off this band because he did pretty well against the threat in pitch black you know yeah the the alien pterodactyl things yeah the first half of that movie is is very predator-esque is is very getting picked off one by one yeah i don't know that would be a really interesting matchup it'll never happen in a million years especially now that Uh, vin himself owns the rights to riddick but if they came to him with that don't you think he would accept don't you think he would entertain the idea because it's such an awesome yeah. idea for a crossover dude I, I would love it so much put the predator in anything if they pulled the trigger on a terminator predator thing i feel like that would be an interesting matchup again it's 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 similar I tactics think the, of the predator would destroy a terminator are you talking about like a t100 terminator oh, a though? t800 yes a t800 a t800 I'm, okay a t1000 literally how do you compete with that yeah but, that, that's gonna be hard to track with that thermal vision but i feel like you know the predator would just rip out a t800 skeleton predators are strong they rip out bones all the time for sure originally when i saw the just the thumbnail for prey i was like oh awesome caveman predator stuff and i was like all on board for it and for weeks i didn't realize it was native american colonial america i mean it would be honestly pretty easy for the predator but i was gonna say that'd be rough unless it's a 2001 crossover <laughs> where the big monolith is there teaching them like this is oh, a predator this is God. how you defeat the predator yeah you there you go to defeat the predator because Ripley would totally kill a predator. Ripley would not have a oh, problem. Yeah, with a dude. She would just be like, "Oh, here we go again," and then get on it. She'd like ride a xenomorph into battle against a predator. <laughs> and now I want to see that. Hold on, Seamus. Is there anything that you have left to say about the actual movie that we're covering right now? <laughs> um, I thought it was great. I completely echo your sentiments that if even if this is your first predator movie, it's a solid one to start with, and. That leaves you the, you know, goofy action movie goodies of the original ones after you see one that really lays some stuff down in a really interesting, competent way. Maybe literally the only problem I had with this movie is that they didn't sample or use the original Predator theme song, which I think is super iconic. If it was there, I'm sad that I didn't notice it, but we're going to rewatch it for a very specific reason for a very different viewing soon. So I think I'll, I'll look more into that. Let's go ahead, I think, and talk a little bit more about Prey in our pop culture reference. For today's pop culture reference, we're going to be talking about Prey's relationship with the Comanche language. 
Not only is Dan Trachtenberg's Prey now the largest streaming premiere of any Hulu film or TV series, but is also gaining attention for the unique respect it pays to the character's Comanche language. The decision was made to dub the entire film in Comanche, something that had never been done for a Hollywood film. The dub can be accessed on Hulu as an alternative audio track on the film's landing page. Producer Jane Myers brought much of his own personal Comanche and Blackfeet culture to the writing of the film and was a major influence on the choice to dub the film in their native language so late into production. This is a choice that makes complete sense to me. We already talked about in the main segment how it does feel like it should be in Comanche, even when it's in English. So much of the cultural respect that's already mm-hmm. being paid feels like it would have been amplified by putting the film into Comanche, though I understand, again, why it's in English. Yeah, that's exactly what I was referencing in our outro of the last segment here. I'm very excited to see this again in Comanche, just because I was a bit distracted with the English. Like, I got used to it enough that it it didn't really bug me so much, and the idea of their perspective of understanding each other versus the French folks doing their French trapping thing. Well, we're definitely going to watch this together, I think, in Comanche, just to get it all together there. I think it'll bridge a lot of gaps... But what do you say about going on over to save the rec center? Yes, please. Save the rec center! Now it's time to save the rec center, where we bring you our weekly recommendations. Shavis, what what do you got? Well, my lovely mother, she recommended to me a movie that I'd never really heard about before. But she just kind of put it on for me one afternoon when I was when I was home last weekend, just because she was so taken by it. It's 1961 black and white The Hustler with Paul Newman and Jackie Gleason. It is incredible. Garrett, do you know this movie? I have it out from the library right now, Shavis. You're it's sitting you're next kidding to my television. Me. Garrett, it is so good. It's so dark it's a lot darker than i thought it was going to be when i when i first put it on but it's just like fast pool hustling really sharp dialogue like really i obviously paul newman is so good at delivering just like really good quip insult comebacks to people in in his movies and he it is no exception for this one he he's firing on all cylinders for a random movie that i probably would never have put on on my own, on any given random weekend day, I thought it was fantastic and classic feeling. Everything about it was just like everything I want in my classic black and white goodies. And I know it has uh, some crazy legacy sequel with, I want to say, Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise, Tommy baby. boy, Tommy boy. Originally, when my mom was talking to me about it, she kept saying Tom Hanks, and I was like, huh, that's <laughs> that's a weird movie. And then she was like, oh, wait, no, I mean Cruise. And I was like, oh, I'm I'm in, man. I'm all I'm all in for that. So I know I know that one's The Color of Money. The Color and of Money, I, directed by I know Martin Scorsese. Of, what? Yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know anything about the sequel, just like I don't know, I didn't know anything about The Hustler when I watched it, but I am super ready for that I, i'm a big paul new man hard agree you've never seen it you just have it out from the library i'm, I'm gonna watch it this week and then you and i are gonna watch color Money yes. together that's hell what's happening. yes dude well, look at this serendipity what do you have this week for the rec center well seamus i already rec centered it to you yesterday available now for the first time in high definition streaming on hulu yeah after you watch prey <laughs> james cameron's it's not his masterpiece, but it is certainly a, a masterpiece, masterpiece if you can get over 
some of the not great behind the scenes stuff and rampant Islamophobia. Oh boy! Oh yeah, it's good. It's pretty. I didn't know it's, that part. It's it's the nineties. It's an action spy movie. It's, I guess. I guess. I got a preface. I got a preface because I don't. I don't want to rec center it and then have people going in. Yeah, you're not, not rec rec centering the Islamophobia am, in that movie. I am rec centering Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm rec centering Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm rec centering <laughs> Bill Paxton, and I am rec centering Tom Arnold in True Lies. I straight up didn't know Tom Arnold or Bill Paxton were in that movie until you just said that, and that makes me way more hyped up for this movie, dude. A nonstop thrill ride. Some of the most straightforward action filmmaking, if not the most straightforward action filmmaking Cameron ever did, because it's the only one of his films that I would say is a straight-up action movie. The Terminator, like, sci-fi horror The Terminator action. is a horror movie, for sure. Yeah, T2 is probably the the, the next, because T2 sure, and yeah, Aliens uh-huh. are both action movies, but they're science fiction action movies. This is just, no, it's a, it's a spy movie from the 90s with Arnold, and it's a rip-roar in good time. If you like, if you like things like Game Night, I think it's very much on the same wavelength, oh. but what if Game Night was directed by James Cameron and had a massive oh. action? So, That's, that is all you need to say, Garrett. Arnold is a spy, but his wife and child do not know that he is a spy. His oh, wife, oh my god, being Jamie Lee Curtis. That's amazing. I can't wait to watch this with you, dude. You're you're just gonna be gauging how amped up I am the whole time, and it's gonna be hitting red probably right away. I'm a big Schwarzenegger boy. I love Jamie Lee. Obviously, James Cameron. I mean, like, what are you? What are we even talking about here? This it's like the perfect storm. I haven't seen it since it was on DVD. And I probably watched it in like 2012, so I'm pretty excited to to revisit. It's the one I've gone the longest without seeing of his. But I think that wraps us up for the show this week. If you want to reach us on social media, it's at PCR underscore podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you want to reach the show directly, you can email popculturereferencepod at gmail.com with any acolytes, any any any, any praise that you have, any acolytes. questions. Accolades. Wow. Look at me. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of that the acolyte casting that we didn't talk about. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, we didn't because Star Wars. If, if you want us to talk about the acolyte, then email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. We're, what are we doing next week, Shannis? We're doing Rogue One. Uh, We're talking Star oh, Wars. Oh, yeah, dude. Maybe one of the best modern Star Wars movies to date. I cannot wait for that one. I just saw it in IMAX, so you oh, know, I'm lucky it's fresh duck. in my mind. And then, because we're doing that, of course, leading up to the Andor premiere. Yes, which is in can't weeks, wait, man. We'll probably cover as its own episode. I don't think, I don't think we're doing that one week to week. I mean, maybe. maybe. Well, 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 I guess we'll see what Mike. We'll have a definitive announcement next week about what our Andor coverage will look like. Pretty happy to be out of the Marvel swamp and back into the Star Wars swamp, baby. Back into the Star Wars swamp, (laughs) indeed. But we're not talking about Dagobah. We're talking about the end of this episode. (laughs) I was going to say, what are you transitioning to? Oh, God, if I don't say adios amigos, it'll just keep going. It's not over till Seamus says adios amigos. Adios, amigos. Do it. Do it now. Kill me. Go do it. Ah. <laughs> like you faded yourself. Yeah, I rolled back in my chair there, so just to give you an easier time. <laughs>